0: Here's where you have to know how to drop your golf ball. Sure speeds up play when you have those drop areas. Fowler has dropped the ball twice. The Shambo is going to get a free drop. Something bad has happened if
1: we end up here. This is the drop zone.
0: All right, folks. Dylan DeChair here talking to my co-host, Sean Zock, on a Friday morning. Sean, I guess there's one burning question that, uh, that I wanted to pass along. From the U.S. Open, you weren't there. Obviously, the the folks have missed you in the last couple drop zones. Um, but there was definitely a lot of chatter at Brookline. And yeah, just one big takeaway question, which is, how is Sean Zock doing? How's your I'm, boy across the
1: pond? I'm doing so well. <laughs> I think I officially last night had the thought, maybe I should stay here forever. <laughs> wow. And now my parents will be listening to this. They don't have to actually worry about that. But I went on a run last night. It's 9 p.m. Sun is still standing over the town. Like the whole town looks golden. I went up. I was told to go run up on this hill. That's the best view of town. It's a tough hill to run up. It, it goes from a road to a path to like single file path to oh, you're in a cornfield now. And uh, it was well worth the hike and. It, the view up there is absolutely incredible. And there's like a couple houses for rent up there. And I was just thinking like, that's where Tiger Woods should stay during open week. <laughs> just get this amazing view, sun setting over the town. You've got the North Sea out in the distance. You got the chapels, you know, it'll take you a 10 minute drive to get to the old course. I, I don't know where Tiger will stay. He stayed at the old course hotel in the past, but if I was going to choose where I would want to stay during open week, kind of get remove yourself from it all, but still be close. That's the spot to be.
0: Wow, Luke curdine and I were uh, were putting odds on the fact that you just never come back, <laughs> and uh, I think we set it at about eleven to one. So still, still <laughs> a might have definitely just moved an underdog, line. but you know, but also not an impossibility by any means. So I think you. Um, got, I
1: think when people say that, they sneaky just kind of want me to stay away, <laughs> either stay away or stay here so they can come visit.
0: I think it's like a living vicariously thing too. It's like, well, it's nice to have some boots on the ground. It's good to have uh drop zone representation in the home of golf. Yes. Um, can you, uh, can you, can you walk me through your experience of watching the U S open from St. Andrews?
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting because the St. Uh, St. Andrews old course shut down on Friday of open week of U S open week. So, What's interesting is when the old course shuts down, it's the bubble of the old course kind of like is just filled with golfers. And then they kind of, you know, they kind of move outward into town because there's no real reason to be on or around the old course anymore. You can walk around it, kind of check out the firmness, whatever. But you don't get to watch anyone play golf. You don't get to play golf. Wait, so
0: when you say they shut it down, like they closed it for the Open?
1: Yeah. No more play. No more Friday of U.S. Open Week until the Monday, uh, after the open championship. And so, you know, people started to kind of like move further out into town, the golfers, there isn't such a, like a, a focus around being next to the old course. Um, mm. and so I just kind of like hung out in pubs all week, watched a lot of the <laughs> golf in pubs. Um, I think I stopped in four or five different pubs just to kind of like have a pint, maybe have a bite to eat. Talk to the people that are sitting at the bar, ran into a, a number of Americans, some Boston guys who had actually been to the f- second round of Brookline. <laughs> they got no on a red way. eye and flew over. Um, <laughs> they, were, they were at the bar on Saturday, just kind of like a little bit tired and bleary eyed, but they're spending the next four days uh, in St. Andrews and they couldn't have been happier. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of sweet because every conversation is all like, ooh, is, what's it going to be like? There's not that many fans at Brookline. Does it feel like crazy? Oh, Keegan Bradley's comparing it to like an open championship feel with the the grandstands and the fans. Like, wow, we're mm. like 200 yards from what that's going to look like here in St. Andrews. So I think the town is, is fully now in run-up to the open gear. We've just had three weeks of graduation parties and <laughs> we're getting all the students and alumni out of town and uh, people are really, really just kind of getting ready for the old course. So, it's uh
0: it's happy times here in the old town. I did not have you pegged as the first guy to bring up Keegan Bradley this podcast, but fair. I'm glad you did. Um Sean, what do you think of our our new US Open champion Matthew Fitzpatrick now with the benefit of a few days of of perspective? Uh worthy champion? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think
1: I think it was I can't remember who was saying it on the broadcast. Maybe it was Paul Azinger who was just gushing about the ball striking. And that's, I think, what I'll remember from Brookline. Um, Just kind of watching it on TV and just feeling like, okay, these these things that people are saying from the grounds are really matching up with what I see on TV. He's not missing a shot. He's not getting into trouble. You know, the only issue is when he was hitting greens and three-putting. It was pretty incredible, and I know... Holy cow! People in the UK are so thrilled that an Englishman won the U.S. Open. It's been a while since that happened, and uh, yeah, I think I think people just love Matt Fitzpatrick over here. <laughs> he's kind of you know he's kind of an old heart, a little bit of an old soul, golfing soul, um, who's who's taken on like the modern approach because he needed to, and I couldn't help but think like remember this guy was leading the tour in strokes gained, like yeah. I think as of a couple of weeks ago, you know, it, it, comes as yeah, a, totally. it, it comes as a surprise when he gets it done, but he's only been good all season long. He really has, hasn't won, got nothing out of his good play. And now he finally has, and uh, probably got the be- the
0: biggest prize that he could have honestly wanted. Sean, I'm wondering if you can also interrupt our Matt Fitzpatrick talk to tell us about our presenting sponsor this week.
1: Yeah, we've gone, what, six minutes, six or seven minutes without talking about our sponsors. That's how we, we kind of change up the pace for our listeners. But our <laughs> presenting sponsor is, of course, Radmore. Uh, we've talked about Radmore a lot on this podcast. And it's been a couple months since I mentioned the pants. But Dylan, mm. I brought, I think I brought five pairs of shorts over here because I thought, oh, it's summertime. You'll wear shorts even in the middle of the day. You know, it can get up to 70 degrees here in Scotland. I have not worn a single pair of those shorts. All I'm wearing are the Radmore pants. I don't know if I'm going to wear shorts all summer long because the Radmore pants, they're so light and they like, they just like are so stretchy. There's, there's so much like elasticity to them that it kind of, it feels like I'm free when I'm wearing them. Yeah, you can't
0: match that comfort level.
1: No, and they just really flex well, like not on, not only just like during the swing, but like I wear them everywhere. I wear them to town, I wear them when I'm playing golf, I wear them when I'm doing absolutely nothing. They're so comfy. Get yourself some pants, folks. That's, that's kind of my take on Radmore right now. And what's our code again? 20, 25% off.
0: It's 25% off. The code is just simply drop zone, though. You just Simple. enter code drop zone at check off, check off or checkout. Um, so head to radmoregolf.com. That's r-a-d-m-o-r golf.com. Yeah, and use code drop zone for twenty five percent off Sean. I, I would just, buy two
1: know. pairs of pants if you can. One light yeah, color, gotta, one dark color.
0: You mm-hmm. might just only wear those moving forward. No doubt about that. Just got uh, reloaded before the US opened. So wow. um I know. Well, you know, shipping costs to St. Andrews just wouldn't be <laughs> wouldn't be realistic for our budget. Sean, the thing about Matthew Fitzpatrick is he is um in some ways the anti Brooks Kepka because the effort is obvious and it's sort of like he's sort of he's he's proud of it in a not particularly showy way. Um but I was thinking about the contrast in these two guys because you know, Fitzpatrick is a golf nerd and he has basically geared every aspect of his life towards getting better at golf. Um, you know, the his discipline's basically unmatched. He's been, yeah, charting every golf shot he's hit for the last fourteen years. Uh, you know, he 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 restricts his other interests and activities to stay laser focused on golf. And I, I was just thinking about that this week because he's easy for golf fans to root for because of that because he so clearly wants this and that's always been the knock on a guy that is now leaving the PGA tour brooks kepka who you spent a bunch of time with recently at least you spent time with people in his orbit for a uh, for a golf cover story and i was just i mean as we buzz through the news here and the live stuff obviously the the biggest thing to drop from the live side this week was brooks kepka and people seem surprised by that. And I wonder if you are too.
1: I'm, I'm definitely somewhat surprised because from what we've seen from the Live Golf <laughs> defectors, if we'll call them, the people who are stiff arming the PGA Tour at this point, they have to go up on stage. They have to do media. They do media training and they have to say things that they like about the Live Tour. And it has to be more than just the money. And I think everyone in the media, everyone reading and viewing the media generally thinks and can follow that it really is just about the money. Um, but they can't really say that. You know, Bryson DeChambeau kind of said it, you know, This it's really a financial business decision. And I imagine maybe that's what Brooks will say when he comes out about it. But Phil Mickelson had to talk about how it's Uh, you know, an exciting format and Taylor Gooch talked about how he's so glad he won't be on the bad side of the, the draw (laughs) and you know, all these basically very thinly uh, veiled lies up on the pulpit and telling us the media that we're not smart enough to appreciate what live golf is doing. Brooks doesn't like taking talking points from anybody. Mm. He does not He tells you his, gut thoughts sometimes brooks lies i think he's been lying about how healthy he's been all this season (laughs) uh you know multiple people have reported i've even reported and i've talked to people on his team like yeah he was hurt at the masters he was not in good shape almost wd that week Uh, i don't think he was in great shape at southern hills anyways like he didn't tell anybody about that so he, he he has a tendency that he can lie about things too but He tells it forthright, you know, he kind of gets combative up on stage. So I wasn't expecting Brooks to take the Saudi money and then go ahead and accept the fact that he's probably going to have to talk nicely about everything that is, it's happening. Um, Will he do it? Like, will he become the actual like leader of the, of the chaos? I don't know, but it, it, it was surprising because I just kind of felt like, okay, Brooks doesn't need the money. He's been talked out of taking it earlier. Why is he taking it now? Uh I didn't expect him to take it now.
0: But yeah. everyone's turning, I, man. <laughs> I guess I have a couple guesses on that. One being uh one being that the money accelerated, maybe. I mean, he's been on the record at saying that money wouldn't really change his life, that you know, he doesn't play golf for money, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, basically everyone that has left has said some things in the past that now look sort of silly, but Brooks is is high on that list. Um the second thing is I just think he must be ready to play a limited schedule. Um play as, as few events as That's not surprising. He, that's not surprising at all. I, I just think that like the the extent of his injuries and the variety of his injuries, I guess, we kind of lose track of what's going on, whether it's the wrist, whether it's the knee, you know Hip Brooke, Brooks. Yeah. Whether it's the hip, I was going to say I'm I'm losing track right now, <laughs> but I think he's a guy that wants to play a limited schedule and combine that with the money and uh, and what, you know, whatever was going on with his brother. But it's interesting to me just how surprised the PGA tour, the guys on the inside are like Jay Monahan was literally at this man's wedding. What? Three weeks, weeks ago? ago. Weeks. That hurts. That's gotta hurt for Jay, you know. <laughs> when you're, yeah. when your boss, when you invite your boss to your wedding, and the boss doesn't really want to go, but you know, there, it's just, a, it's a show of good faith. They trek across the country. I didn't realize and then he flew. No, no, no,
1: not trek across the country, man. This wedding was in Turks and Caicos. He had to fly international. (laughs) Like, it's not. There's only a handful of flights from the states to the Turks
0: and Caicos every day. Like Jay Mountahan went out of his way to do this. Sean, as someone that recently (laughs) dealt with uh, some issues updating one's passport, international travel it's it's no piece of cake. Sometimes you know, no, no. It's so Um, funny though. Like
1: I, I actually. I was also surprised because when I was in live, I received a text from Jenna Sims out of nowhere. Wow, yeah. that's pretty cool. That's not a brag, please. Whoever's listening, that is not a brag. But Let's just clip that part. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I wrote I wrote a uh, a cover story about the about Brooks and the lessons that. We can learn from him. I talked to Jenna for it and she was honestly, she was an incredible person to talk to, just like talking about Brooks's maturation. She said like once he turned 30, which like hits home for you and me, he be- immediately wow. became like more mature and the way he, he thought about life and what he wanted to get out of life, like changed when he turned 30. And so Jenna was like a phenomenal source for understanding like Brooks's last couple years. So she texted me like, hey, you know, when will the story be up online? And um, I told her like, uh, give me a couple days. Like I'm down in London at the live golf nonsense. And she kind of texted, she kind of texted back just like, oh, good luck with that. And I was like, okay, you know, she might not be on the side of the live golf you know, squad, you know, lo and behold, like 10 days later, Brooks is committed. So there's a lot, you know, of people who are struggling right now to tell non-truths. Brooks being one of them at the U.S. Open, saying, I'm just tired of it. You know, I haven't thought about it much. I think you probably have thought about it much. Um, You know, telling the media he hadn't really talked to his brother Chase. I'm willing to bet he probably has (laughs) talked to his brother Chase before in that moment. Um, Patrick Cantlay, sitting up there on stage, uh, was it this week or was it last week? Um, I think it was this week. Yeah, Tuesday at the Travelers. And he was asked by Doug Ferguson, have you received a money offer and he goes through this horrible stumbling line saying essentially you know I've got people for that and uh no I'm not not recently is essentially where he landed which yeah it was you have to watch the video because holy cow it is even better than the audio and he's just stumbling stumbling hard through it and there's just a lot of guys who are kind of leaving out the closets Xander talked to you about it right Xander said I haven't been like that impressed or surprised by anybody that has gone thus far. No one's yeah. moved the needle for me, but there's always this hanging, but like maybe yeah. if enough people go, they get a collective mass, I will have to treat it seriously. And we don't know what a collective mass looks like to Xander. We don't know what it looks like to Joaquin Neiman. We don't know what it looks like to Cantley. but it's getting bigger and it's, it would there's a lot of dudes that are drawing a line in the sand. They're putting they're drawing a line in the sand and filling it with cement. Max Homa, Justin Thomas, Morikawa, John Rahm, Roy McIlroy. They could use a couple more.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I I mean that's a good list, but I think that I think that's it, right? I think those are the only people. I don't know where you would consider Scotty Scheffler as having landed. Um he I certainly think, seems pleased again, with being on the PGA tour. <laughs> Yeah, um, I've
1: talked to Scheffler's team too, and again, a pretty darn certain he's not
0: making the yeah, leap. Anywhere. He's not eager to go. I mean, yeah, this is a group of people that you would figure would be, they would be the last ones on the boat. They'd be they'd be going down with the ship. You know, at least maybe clinging to that last lifeboat mm-hmm. if the PGA Tour was going to uh, turn into the Titanic here. But um, I think with guys like Can'tley. Xander um, trying to think of who else was, was yeah. I mean, there's definitely a a group of guys that is then Adam Scott probably open to the idea. I guess you would say. um, And who we haven't heard. Yeah. Ricky very much on that, on that boat of, of guys who are definitely open to the idea. So there's a bunch of guys that have said, no, we're not doing it. There's a bunch of guys that have said, well, look, you never say never. And, um, Who knows where those negotiations are right now, but it seems like the way they're centrist
1: voters, man, they need a politician to get out there and pull them to one side or another. And they're they're just not two
0: party system, man. (laughs) Like, come on guys. Meet me halfway. Um, Sean, how, how significant were the PGA tours actions this week? I guess first, what were the PGA tours actions this week? Jay Monahan, Met with players. This was a, a closed door players only meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, then there was a, a advisory council meeting after that. And then I he think spoke policy to the media board, on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, yes, <laughs> policy board. Even as I said that I was like, oh you know, the subcommittees <laughs> out here, the bureaucracy, Sean, TJ
1: Tour government is both like very important and also stupid at the same time. So
0: understand Wednesday Monaghan spoke to the media. And and uh, laid out his vision. What was that vision?
1: Yeah, Um, the vision is to reallocate resources. Um, The PGA tours, you know, profit and loss sheets. Their budgets are this wild, wild like document of of all kinds of things. Um, But they they're reallocating resources to a select five current, uh, currently in place events, and then three future made out of thin air events to be going to the fall. Essentially what I, the way I look at is it kind of boils down to creating a champions league for like you see in soccer or football, as they say it here in the UK, um, for golf. And so if you finish in the top 70 in the FedEx cup, in 2022 to 2023 you will or i think it yeah maybe it's this year it's hard to tell but if you finish in the top (laughs) top 70 of the fedex cup which used to be top 125 guaranteed a card now you got to finish in the top 70 that guarantees you your card the the fedex cup playoffs move from there on out where the top 50 advanced to the second playoff event and the top 30 advanced the final playoff event If you finish in the top 50, meaning you get to the final two playoff events, you are guaranteed to be in these mega money events that will take place the following year in the fall, which are three events at the very, I think at at three at the most um, is what. Yeah, up to
0: three, they said, which is pretty funny because it doesn't leave that many other options. Those events
1: are going to have, I believe, $20 million purses. They're going to have no cut and they are going to be made i think they're going to be held in europe the middle east and asia so like they're very international it's going to be kind of like uh you know in some ways how the soccer teams go and play like real madrid will play inner milan in like lambeau field like there's an event happening in lambeau field this year and so they're going to take the best players from the world and bring them across the world for these mega money events um and so there's five other current PGA tour events that are going to get elevated with a gigantic purse, right? The tournament of champions, Kapalua in Hawaii is going to get a $15 million purse. I believe their purse is doubling. Um, and that's a small event anyways. So like, that's a, that's a ton of money. Um, I believe it's the Genesis invitational and then the Arnie's Bay Hill invitational. And then the players is getting a big boost. Uh, The Memorial is getting a big boost and the FedEx St. Jude event is getting a big boost. So there's just a ton of resources being thrown at these events, elevating these events so that their fields and their purses can compete with the $25 million purses that you're seeing on the Live Golf Invitational Series. Um, I think it's a great move and I think it is likened to the Champions Tour because, or the Champions League, excuse me, because the Champions League is this thing that collects teams from England, collects teams from Spain, collects teams from France and Italy and Germany, and they create a, syst- uh, a system that, that takes place the following year. Like you earn it in 2022 and then you, you reap the rewards in 2023. So players like Max Homa, who would be a top 50 player, will be playing in these great big events in 23 that he earned in 2022. And there's gonna be so much money following it all. And you really, it, it it's like interspersed throughout the calendar year, where you feel like there's like actual regular season events. And then there's this layer of big, big, big events. And then there's this layer of the majors. And so you've kind of created this tiered system of events where, yeah, you know what, they're playing for way more money here. Maybe that gives me extra reason to tune in. And I'm rambling now, but you and I on this podcast have discussed how there can be a great addition to the PGA Tour by subtraction of mm-hmm. events, right? You can, you can taper things down. You can start your season in January. You can have a 30-event regular season. You know that you need to care during the majors and now you extra know that you need to care during these invitationals, and you know that you should probably care in the fall for the big players. You know that they're all going to show up because these guys will not miss an event with a $20 million purse. I guarantee you that. They will show up with an achy back to compete for $20 million. And it's just drawing attention to a, 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 a smaller amount of events instead of Trying to make you the golf fan have equal amount of attention for 42 weeks out of the school, uh, the, the calendar year. Um, what is tricky is, what do you do for the people that finish outside the top 70? Suddenly, there's going to be this big kind of playoff. And to continue the like soccer comparison, it's a bit of like a relegation playoff where, hey, you guys have all done pretty well this year, and uh, if you want to compete next year and have a full tour card. You're going to go through the actual fall season to earn your spot in January 2023 and earn your keep. And there's going to be plenty of tour cards handed out that way. And it'll be a bit of a battlefield. I love that idea. You really have to earn your keep. Like it gives you an extra chance if you didn't do it during the regular season on the PGA Tour. Now you had the fall playoffs to make it happen again. Um, it's, it's a huge change in the schedule. Like it cannot be looked at as it cannot be tossed away is not a big deal and it cannot be simplified down to just the money. This is why we talked in the past. It's really hard for the PGA tour, a uh, uh, a cruise ship to turn around, to pivot, to, to change their schedule because of how many sponsors and how much money and how many members are involved. I would say this is like the, the cruise ship taking a 90 degree turn.
0: All right. 90 degree turn. So we're headed north. We are <laughs> headed west. Um, it's funny. We've talked a lot about what a potential vision for the PGA tour would be like how the PGA tour can effectively save itself. And this is, this is definitely on the, on the road that we laid out. I guess it's not all the way there. It's not the radical, it's not adopting too many of like the premier golf league proposals. We're not talking about, you know, team franchises. We're not talking about that sort of influx of, uh, franchise money, Uh, We're not talking about billions of dollars added Hmm. to the PGA Tour pool. We're talking about fifty-four million, which is hilarious that that is. We're also
1: not talking about team golf. We're not talking about
0: team golf. Period. So, but I think I think where they are on the right track is leaning on events that already exist and elevating those events, because that is one of the things that the PGA Tour has going for it. Maybe the thing that it has going for it the most is you know, as much as I am reluctant to say, wow, legacy and history, and those are those are such great pillars, that sounds like so stodgy, so out of touch, but it really is that context is what gives the PGA Tour power. So whether they can make those events feel like they have real juice is the question for me, because the, the worst case version of this is the WGC's which never really felt like they had juice except Tiger, no. you know, when Tiger was winning them. But I think we've got a chance. I think that the, uh, the match play has turned into a great event and yep. elevating that further is a good call. Um, I think that Riv is an awesome event. I mean, I think if there's any way that the tour can bring some of the, I mean, some of the F one atmosphere that Liv was trying to channel into these events, and, what does that um, mean, though? I don't people really know. people who don't know F1. Well, all right. Here's what it means. What it means is that on those couple days, on that weekend, those events feel like the place to be in the sporting world. Like, those are the premier spots to be. It's like an it crowd there. Um, I mean, I, I've, I think I've said this before, but like the moment of Tom Brady throwing passes to Daniel Ricardo. Who's an F one driver on a yacht in Monaco. Like that is the F one experience right there. You're like, what are all these famous people doing here? (laughs) You know, why are they walking through the, the uh, pit lane? And um, I think that if golf wants to elevate these events, it needs a little cachet. It needs a little beyond golf vibe. And uh, so that's going to be a challenge, but, um, I think, yeah, I think it's a good start.
1: The money, man, the money does something. Uh, the money is connected to a lot of PGA tours, uh, or it, it's connected to the Ryder Cup and Presidents Cup qualifications, right? You win at Riv, twenty twenty three, you you're basically gonna have a gigantic jump in your Ryder Cup rank. Like when you, it's all based off of money earned, and maybe they'll change yep. that qualification, but suddenly you win at RIV $20 million purse. You're going to be taking home $3.5 million. Yeah. That's like, that's like three, like 3,500 Ryder cup points. You're basically on the team (laughs) at that point. Um, right. So, so those kind of trickle down effects we could see both be good and bad things potentially. Like if (laughs) some random guy wins at RIV, they might have a really good chance of being on the Ryder cup team. Um, But yeah, I I feel like it's a net positive. I'm disappointed that at this point there is no guarantee of team golf, Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure that the players want that. That's the one thing that I've taken away from all this is that, okay, live golf has forced this team thing. I don't think those guys were really that chummy as teammates. Maybe the Majestics because they're all English dudes or the Stinger GC because they're all South African dudes. But, like, there was no juice on Phil Mickelson's team, <laughs> you know, when he drafted uh, – I don't even know who he drafted. But, like, when DJ <laughs> yeah, I mean, drafts yeah, Sean the point, Norris, right? there's no team team camaraderie there. And um, the PGA Tour, I don't think the players in the policy board or the advisory council – I think that the team aspect was just a little bit too much for him. Like, when the PGA Tour first pitched at Genesis Invitational – this idea to the advisory council, their response was kind of like, eh, this isn't it right yet. And then the team uh, competition was kind of when I mean, team, like, I mean like the three fall series mega invitationals. Um, When that was pitched again, like at the RBC heritage and, you know, just kind of information starts trickling out to players more and more. None of the players are like, that's what we want. So I'm not like as much as the fans want, the team aspect to be nailed down and, and really cool. It's not happening at a, at a priority the, the tour players really feel it. So we, we may never get that.
0: It's kind of a shame. I, I mean, think so. I think I was excited about that aspect of things.
1: That's how you elevate things to an F1 level, right? All, who's your, who's your racing squad? I don't have one. I don't really follow it, but I know that like people are McLaren and Ferrari, yeah, like yeah. diehards. Like, that that is what we wanted in golf,
0: right? I mean, yeah. This is what this is what we were getting excited and talking about. Is like, man, imagine Callaway rolls out its squad of six guys, and TaylorMade's got its guys, and and there's, I mean, the intrigue and excitement of how guys do when switching equipment is already sort of a fascinating subplot for professional golf, and this would really ramp that up. Um, so I think we have to put that on hold from talking to people Sean I think that there's still a few more things that that pros want I think that guy I mean everyone cares about something slightly different right some guys are like well we think that we really think that playing the Ryder Cup you should get you know a couple million dollars for that (laughs) right now it's free obviously the PGA of America is making money off of it players are not making anything Um, other guys are saying well okay we need to be able to accept appearance fees more freely um, around the world, just in general, and maybe even on the PGA tour. So, and then there's the guys that are like, well, you know, what's the path forward for corn fairy tour players? Like how, what, what about us? And yeah. I, I guess the answer to those people right now is play better, <laughs> play better golf. I think this is the inevitable end for, um, the PGA tour facing this type of stiff competition is you have to get leaner and you have to reward your top performers. And that's what they're doing. They not, not great for the, the homie Martin. Uh, well, you know, yeah. Martin trainer, yes not no. currently in top 70. The only, the silver lining for our, our man, Martin trainer, who uh, opened with 76 yesterday in Hartford is that there are a few guys clearing out of the FedEx, in front of him right now yeah brooks kepka is not not keeping his pga tour card for next year yeah sean i want to tell you really quick about buying custom golf clubs we talk about them all the time and our friends always ask us all right what's the best place to buy custom clubs for us the answer is easy because only one place offers the lowest prices on custom-built clubs and that's fairwayjockey.com do your homework No one beats their prices. You can save up to 15% on custom clubs. and When you're talking about a bigger ticket purchase like golf clubs, that can add up to big savings. So build your custom set today at fairwayjockey.com. Sean, custom clubs makes you think.
1: Speaking of custom clubs, I can't hit that Cobra driver you gave me since I've come over here. Shoot. I'm, I'm very much learning how to... Play Lynx Golf extremely slowly. <laughs> it's been, <laughs> I think I've played seven rounds of golf since I've been here, and about five of them have
0: been really bad. Uh oh. Not What's really. What's going bad, on? Is it the but tight I just, turf? I, is it the, what is it? Well,
1: yeah. So it's just, it's just understanding the turf action because, um, yeah how you have to hit into the wind off of like tight lies. How do you chip mm. when you miss the green? I'm learning that I'm just like, I'm just not using the 60 degree just about anywhere. Makes no yeah. sense. Use it in the sand if you want to. Um, but I, I use a 52 degree pretty much everywhere around the greens now. Are you and, a chunky uh,
0: boy out there? You getting a little steep coming into the ball?
1: Well, it's just weird because I think you can use a 60 degree and it'll feel like you
0: chunked it, but you've actually thinned it. Oh, geez just drop kicking it all over the place exactly make me a little bit anxious
1: no it's fine it's it's i think it's required knowledge for anyone who's an american who wants to come over here
0: yeah look it's still june summer in scotland oh, is still young i'm not worried about it at all i
1: i played golf with jamie kennedy yesterday uh, Oh, fun at, at panmure golf club just south of carnoustie and that place is sweet we played it in about a T- pretty constant like 20 25 mile per hour wind and um just teaches you it really <laughs> teaches you how to play golf man <laughs> it really does um how to play a different type of golf it teaches you that uh, golf courses in america are very different and in, in i think worse ways um but
0: that, that's i would agree with water i would agree with that and i'm excited to to walk the scottish fairways with you in uh Just a a few weeks' time. Sean, another thing that can improve your golf game, well, I mean improve your golf game, improve your entire golf experience, is a subscription to Golf Magazine. And I'm actually, I'm concerned about the pricing that I'm about to announce here because you can currently get a subscription to Golf Magazine for $20 for a year on golf.com and then that's just sort of the beginning of what your $20 is getting you. Over $100 in value, including access to exclusive deals from Skillist, which will make you a better golfer, golf tech, uh, insiders-only content. We were just sending out uh, subscriber-only newsletters during the major championships. Uh, me and you had an a exclusive Zoom last week. I mean, the membership immediately pays for itself. Um, if you're looking for a, a late Father's Day gift, if you're trying to make up for what you forgot last Sunday, this could be it, too but head to golf.com slash inside drop zone to get your inside golf subscription. It's $20 for a year and it's just, it's free. It's free money. It's a (laughs) joke.
1: Yeah. And it's not just a magazine. Like if you, if you subscribe and listen to this podcast, I think you'd be silly to not subscribe to inside golf mainly because like, yes, you get the magazine. If you like Sean and Dylan, like frankly, at this point we're writing a lot of the cover stories in the
0: magazine Um, the July issue is going to be out very soon. Scotty Scheffler's on the cover. Oh yeah. just arrived in my, uh, in my, well, I'm at my parents' house this week and they just got their golf magazine with Scotty on the cover.
1: Scotty's on the cover. I wrote that story. You do an interview in every single issue, um, with a professional golfer, you know, sometimes they're LPGA tour players like Lydia Ko. Uh, who did you interview for this, this issue? Louie,
0: Sean great <laughs> timing <Liv>. there dylan <laughs> um I, yeah i interviewed louie right after the pga for this issue and you know then i don't know what it was so a, a week later or something suddenly there were more questions that i would have liked to ask him but yeah I, yeah I snagged him in the locker room at the pga right after he'd finished up on sunday
1: yeah and so if you enjoy the content we talk about here you obviously enjoy reading it in print and that's just the magazine like we said um it's, I think I'm gonna be caddying in the Scottish Open what yeah I, I 90% chance
0: for <laughs> whom guess uh is it a professional golfer yeah Martin trainer nope he, Martin's not playing the Scottish uh, didn't didn't necessarily think so um Joel Damon yeah no way <laughs> yeah. So, um, the statute of limitations,
1: like, I think he probably still has a week or so to, to come up with a better caddy, but we've discussed, we've discussed, uh, we've discussed everything and I told him like, since I'm over here and you need a caddy, like, let me do the work for you, man. Um, and so I think we'll probably have lots of fun conversations about that on inside golf. So we don't need to talk about that any further because again, who knows if he'll bail on me or not, but. Things like that become exclusive stuff for members. Uh, I don't see Golf. why Golf.com slash inside drop zone, Sean. That's where the people need to go. All right, Dylan, one final thing. And this is like, all right, we're 40 minutes in. This is for the hardcore drop zone fans who know that we can get down into like the nitty gritty of this stuff. But the DP World Tour announced today that players uh, who are members of that tour, Sergio Garcia, Martin Keimer, Grant McDowell, a lot of those European players, um, mm-hmm. a handful of uh, a handful of non-European players too. Those guys who played in the Live London event are fined hundred pounds, which comes out
0: to probably one hundred twenty thousand hundred thousand pounds. Yeah. Excuse me. (laughs)
1: hundred thousand pounds. That'd be sick. hundred thousand pounds, which comes out to about $120,000 just fined because they played an event without approval from the DP world tour. And then they've also been banned from competing in the Scottish open, the Barbasol championship and the Barracuda championship, which are all the like co-sanctioned strategic Alliance uh, events between the PGA tour and the DP world tour. Now, is that surprising? I would say it is not surprising because the PGA Tour banned these guys in uh, indefinitely. And the European Tour is like, all right, you know what? We're with these guys on these events. Um, but they did hand out 100,000 pound fines, mm-hmm. which is not that much less than like what Phil Mickelson made. Yeah. during the event, or Sergio Garcia like made during that event, and Jamie uh, Jamie Weir from Sky Sports was reporting that each successive event that these guys play in without approval from the DP World Tour, like next week's Portland event, which you will be at for a few days, every successive event the fine's going to double. So suddenly Yikes. it's 200,000 200, pounds, right? Quarter of a million dollars. Like, oh shit, Lee Westwood, you... You better have made your money (laughs) on these events. Uh, He's he's made his money in different ways as well. It's just, um, it's a very interesting line that they're going to draw because they have their own purposes and their own events and their own governing policies and their own set of regulations. They're kind of taking a walk in the middle here between full freedom and whatever the PGA tour has enacted and, um, it's just another partner to keep involved here. Like you, you, another governing body that we need to pay attention to. And Keith Pelly was asked, what does this mean for, like, if you're banning players from co-sanctioned events with the PGA Tour, you know, would, would you ban players from the Ryder Cup, an event that's co-sanctioned with the PGA of America? And he said, very frankly, we have not even drawn up and published the mm-hmm. maybe they've drawn it up we have not published the qualification exemptions and um statuses for the Ryder Cup yet like that was that like kind of comes out at the end of this year i think it's imp- entirely plausible over the next few months the way things go that like the Ryder Cup ban could be very real or not real at all right at the way that keith pelly discussed it like like these guys are still going to be allowed to generally play on the DP World Tour um, in strictly DP World Tour events, which is kind of something that they really want to do. So, you know, this isn't necessarily a two-way war. It's kind of like a three-way war. And then like on the fourth side is the majors. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if it's confusing to people listening or confusing to people trying to intake all this information, like on golf.com, that's because it's a confusing war <laughs> and yep. it's, it's being handled in statements. It's being handled in purse sizes. It's being handled in, um, entries and bands and not all of it is transparent. You know, this was maybe the most transparent, the European tour published it on their website, which is great as, whereas like the PJ tour is kind of just sending out memos to its members. And then those memos are leaked to the media. Um, it's a it's a tricky war to cover so stay with us folks we're gonna get to the bottom of it eventually
0: it's a game of thrones world here now sean in this in this professional golf ecosystem and you know chaos can be a ladder we were wondering if the dp world tour was gonna take that ladder and climb its way up with the live tour and um and align themselves that way. It seems like the strategic Alliance is holding for now,
1: holding strong, hold the Alliance, but it might not forever.
0: (laughs) Um, So stay tuned.
1: Yeah. Stay tuned because Keith Pelley was asked like, you know, were you, you know, what, what about these rumors about you guys partnering with live golf or partnering in a greater fashion with the PGA tour? And he's like, there's been a lot of swirling rumors, mm, yeah. a lot of, a lot of fiction, not a lot of fact, but he said like the one fact is that we will focus on our membership and how do I deliver like the most consideration to our members? He said, those two things are prize fund and playing opportunities. Mm. So like, if you're talking about giving greater playing opportunities and greater prize funds, where's that coming from right now? It's coming from Live Golf, right? <laughs> And I know for a fact that many people are not so thrilled with the strategic alliance takeover of the Scottish Open and how the, the greater amount of, of places are going to be given to PGA Tour members and not European Tour members, like the rank and file guys of the European Tour are not necessarily guaranteed to play the Scottish Open, one of the premier events on that tour. So again, this is super nitty gritty stuff, but it's all stuff that matters, right? I mean, Rory McIlroy said it best, uh, maybe a month ago. It's like, it's really hard to lead PGA tour government because you have to think about 200 different people in mind, 200 different members that have different, uh, ideologies, different preferences, different priorities. And so for Rory to be out in front and kind of trying to think about the Martin trainers of the world, uh, as well as the Joel Damons of the world, as well as him and JT, it's almost an impossible
0: job. Not everyone can win, Sean. No. That's the lesson of this world. Speaking of winning, I'm off to Sports Weekend, which is an annual competition held with some friends from a mix of, of home and uh, and from college. And the next time we podcast, who knows what injuries I will have sustained, but <laughs> I'm 30 years old now. You're telling me I'm playing soccer Football and basketball on the same weekend—trouble brewing.
1: what is it? What are the number of what are all the sports being played?
0: Uh, I think well, we have those three: soccer, football, basketball. Then there's a, a mini golf competition, and um, there are there's some sort of lawn game, cornhole, and then there's a, a variety of uh, hydration-related activities. Drinking to kind games of close things out on Saturday night. So. You know, I feel con-
1: like your rank of those activities, like which ones you would be best at.
0: Hmm.
1: Obviously, mini golf comes first. You're a professional golfer. I like to hope <laughs> you do pretty well. Still, that's a um, game. Probably after that, like the cornhole,
0: I'm thinking. Mm. So just the least athletic ones. No, the, no, the no. Better. Hold
1: on. Hold on. You can still be great at everything but we're ranking that. them i think after that soccer or football as they call it here
0: yeah i don't know you i mean i like grew up in a small town you just sort of play everything you just play all the sports and so you kind of get like you get competent at everything and not necessarily great at anything which is maybe what you, doing but you're not like, going to be
1: golf career but. are you going to be a good football player or are you going to be better uh, at basketball
0: see that's the thing i don't know You've got a i guess sneaky quick first step sean the the breakaway speed may not be there but kind of like uh west welker type
1: um and then maybe last are you are you good at drinking
0: games oh yeah 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 mm. i've played enough beer pong with you to know that i would say zock chair would go up against any golf media beer pong <laughs> team i'll say that right now <laughs>
1: Well, hopefully they're listening. Dylan, it has been a blast talking to you again. It's been too long. I was told by too many of my friends that uh, the DeCher LKD Pod, while a fun combination,
0: just wasn't the same. Wow, so. they said, get Luke off the podcast. <laughs> All right, pal, <laughs> be good over That's there. So many words. We'll talk soon.